So you have to understand one joint, old-fashioned joint, is like 20 milligrams of THC. A cart, if you buy a cartridge of THC 80% vape, it's 800 milligrams in that vape. If you buy a 90% uh, hash oil, a gram, uh, buy, a mil, buy a gram of that, you've got 900 milligrams versus 20 in a joint. So it's, you just cannot picture the astronomical high off the chart, out of your mind high, and there's no smell. And they, they just, they put it in their pockets. They're very, they look like jewels too. So they always tell their parents, what mom, I'm just, I'm just vaping. And their parents are like, "Eh." Today's episode is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, IBME. Wondering what your teen is going to do this summer? Wish they had more, more focus, more compassion, more patience, more peace. Inward Bound Mindfulness Education understands and they offer exactly that to our kids. Through innovative formats and teaching frameworks, they teach teens and young adults mindfulness practices, practices they can use anywhere, anytime for ease and presence. Teens come out calmer and better able to manage stress and anxiety. They build deep listening skills, learn to navigate difficult emotions, and increase self-awareness. They feel more comfortable in their own skin. In fact, teens consistently comment on how much they love being in this community, feeling accepted and supported by peers and adults alike. And this summer, IBME is offering multiple in-person retreats, six throughout June and July. Attending retreat is a powerful experience where your child will learn mindfulness practices with the help of incredible staff and supportive peers. Visit ibme.com slash mightyparenting for details, dates, and registration. That's ibme.com slash mightyparenting. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. Our conversation today is with Laura Stack, founder and CEO of Johnny's Ambassadors and author of The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana. Laura lost her 19-year-old son, Johnny, back in 2019. Johnny died by suicide after becoming psychotic from dabbing high THC marijuana concentrates. And most of us don't even know what that means. So in an effort to save other young lives and to help other families avoid the pain that hers endured, Laura is sharing her experience along with bringing education, awareness, and prevention curriculum to parents, to drug prevention conferences, community groups, and schools to stop marijuana use. Laura, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. So it's great to be working together again. You know, I admire your work. I appreciate so much the work that you were doing at Johnny's Ambassadors. And I was honored to be a guest on your webinar series that you have over yes. there. So we'll put a link to that into the show notes too um, on communicating with your teens. Yes, it was excellent. Thank you. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And I know that we have parents who are listening who are going, 
but I smoked marijuana in college or I smoked marijuana in high school, or maybe <laughs> I still smoke some marijuana. Right. Like, what's the big <laughs> deal? Look, it's legal in Michigan. It's legal in Colorado. I don't know yes. where else, but you know, I know. why do you even want us to, to think about that? So I Lord, know. what do you I want was, us to know? I was that parent. <laughs> I was that parent, uh, Sandy. That was me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not approved. I used marijuana uh, when I was in high school. I didn't like it very much, but I did use it. Um, and admittedly, when my son at the time, 14, came home from a high school party in 2014, uh, Colorado legalized marijuana recreationally, the first state to do so in 2012. And it hit the markets in 2014. And he was in ninth grade. And he has a friend up the road who will be nameless, whose big brother at the time was a senior in high school. And that in Colorado is the magic age. As soon as you turn 18, then you can go to your, uh, we call them the pot shop docs. They charge between three and $500 for these kids. And the kids tell them, oh, they have a migraine or they have a backache and they get their shiny medical marijuana card where they can legally take it to any dispensary here in Colorado that sells medical marijuana, which is no different than recreational marijuana. By the way, it's the same marijuana. You just pay less and can buy more. And they can purchase marijuana, which I thought was what I used when I was a kid. I was very wrong about that also. And we can talk more about that. But this friend had the brother with the med card and there are four thousand 18 year olds right now in Colorado <laughs> with quote medical marijuana cards. And he had marijuana at the party and he said they all wanted to try to get high and they'd used it. Now you might think this is a very strange conversation, but Johnny and I were very close. Like he told me everything. I was, I was his person. This was not an unusual conversation. And I never used it again after high school. I always let parents know we don't allow marijuana in our home. I don't use it. We don't allow substances. We don't, you know, there's no drinking, no smoking, no using drugs, no using marijuana. And I just assumed that when you told him not to, that he wouldn't. Now I grew up in a military household. So we were a little bit more afraid of our parents than we were of the police, <laughs> if you know what I mean. We, when your dad, the Colonel said, you're not going to do this. Like that was it. You did. You just, you didn't do it. And so when we thought we, you know, as every parent does don't drink, don't use drugs, don't smoke, don't use marijuana. We just thought that they wouldn't. So when he came home and told me that there was marijuana at this party and he used it, I will have to admit I didn't probably do what you taught us in your seminar, Sandy. Um, I didn't know about motivational interviewing, emotional intelligence. It was like, what? We've told you not to do that. And my, my, my wise words were, marijuana will eat your brain cells. Sandy, that is admittedly as much as I knew about marijuana. And I thought to myself in my head, well, thank God it's just marijuana. And I remember thinking it's not doing heroin. He's not using opioids or cocaine. And I thought that it wasn't a big deal. And that was the beginning of a five-year journey through hell 
with a son who became very addicted to marijuana and ultimately died by suicide after he thought the mob was after him and had become incredibly paranoid and delusional after using the high THC products. So maybe that's something we should talk about next because. Yeah. Let's, let's take just a second because there was a lot there, right? And, (laughs) and number one is no matter what the substance is, any kind of drug, alcohol, when you are talking about a developing brain, mm-hmm. it's a problem, even, even before they would become addicted or anything else. And, yes. and we'll link to some, we'll have some links for people in the show notes. So check that out. But well, and it's even more of a problem for THC because we have in our bodies what is called an endocannabinoid system and a natural molecule, a protein called anandamide, which is kind of what you get when you get the runner's high and a special receptor called a CB1 receptor, cannabinoid one receptor in the brain. This is very specific to marijuana and the CB1 receptors are all over the brain. And because the THC molecule mimics anandamide at the bottom of the molecule, it's not a perfect bind, but it can trick the brain, and it is, it allows the THC molecule to click into that receptor. So the big problem is it blocks your natural anandamide from being able to get there. So what happens? Your brain stops producing the normal chemical, which makes you crave more THC, which eventually leads to cannabis use disorder. It's in the DSM-5. Because you're no longer doing it. So the DSM-5 is a manual for mental health professionals. It defines mental illness based on symptomology. So this is a, this is defined. This is acknowledged in the medical community as an illness, as a mental illness. Absolutely. CUD, cannabis use disorder. So eventually they have to use THC just not to feel bad. And it's very addictive because alcohol, for example, leaves your body, you know, if if children get drunk, they'll feel really bad for the next 24 hours. And then the alcohol leaves their bodies. Well, THC sticks around three weeks. It takes to get THC out. So even kids who say, oh, I'm just using it on the weekends. Well, it's never dissipated. So they're addicted to it. So yes, it is a very, any substance, but problematically THC is very problematic and it causes MRIs show thinning of the prefrontal cortex as a result of these CB1 receptors. We have even less ability to think in kids whose prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. We're talking, you know, that is not, does not finish until early to mid twenties. So it wasn't fully developed. Now it's shrinking. So they have less ability to think they have a physiological craving for it and taking a step back again, going to before addiction even happens. I'm hearing about kids ODing on marijuana because they use edibles and so they eat a brownie and they're like, oh, I'm not high. So they eat, you know, eight more 
not realizing that when they ingest it, it takes time for that to get through their system and up to an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're hit with a whole lot. So there's just a lot going on around this. And I think that you hit on something really important at the beginning where you went, I just didn't know. I didn't know. know. Like it's just marijuana. How bad could it be? And it's legal on top of that. Right. Which right. We voted for it. I mean, you can't blame the kids. I didn't vote for it personally, but the voters quote unquote, it has been voted in, voted it in, in Colorado. But you know what? I haven't been in a dispensary. I haven't seen how marijuana has changed. And in fact, the products that Johnny started using didn't even hit the market until 2015. They just, yeah, they so let's talk about what the products are, because, you know, I just mentioned again, we said, you know, when we were in high school, college, whatever, okay. People smoked a joint. So we'll talk about how that's different too, but let's just start with the fact that there are all these marijuana products. What are some of the products? Well, they still have joints, you know, right. I mean, that still exists. You know, you get your paper, you get your flour, you roll it up, you smoke a joint that still exists. Here's the big difference. So when we were in college, Woodstock. So let's start with Woodstock, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, into the 2000s. The THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, is the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana, only contained 2 to 5% THC in the joints we used to smoke. All right. So it was it was like mild. It was like, haha, you laugh, you know, love and peace. Everybody feels good. You go to Denny's and, you know, have a midnight snack. So that's what I'm 52. Like that is my perception of what marijuana was. Well, unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst to most adults, anybody over 25 years old, two things happened. Number one, the botanists increased the amount of THC in the plant through selective breeding. In Colorado, you can find strains easily in a normal dispensary you sell legally, walk down the street and buy 30% THC flower, Sandy. Okay. So this is the, this is the first problem. So one botanist is bragging that he has a 40% strain which they were told was impossible for the plant to hold a 40% THC strain, but he's done it. Secondarily, they bred out all this CBD. So the cannabidiol in the old fashioned (laughs) for old people like us (laughs) in the eighties smoking weed. Okay. It had even parts THC and CBD. That was a protective factor. The CBD kept all of these things tamped down. You didn't see the psychosis that you see now. You didn't, you don't see kids in the emergency room back then from overdoses and vomiting and comas and acute psychotic episodes. It just didn't happen. So that's the first difference is that the plant itself is so much more potent. Oh, and then the second thing, guess what they figured out you can do. You can take the plant and you can run a solvent through it how they figure this out, I have no idea. But did you know, if you put butane or propane or ethanol through a cannabis plant, it breaks off the trichomes of the plant that store that THC chemical. And 
the THC and the solvent then can be filtered out by itself into a tray. So in other words, there's no plant matter left. They toss the plant because they're just wanting to extract just that part of it that makes you high. So instead of the two to 5% THC, THC vapes are 90% pure THC. They call the, they call the concentrate when they get the THC out a dab. Um, they were nicknamed that way by the stoner culture because you just need literally a dab of it, a pinhead that you touch to a red hot surface called a dab rig. If you Google marijuana dab rig, you will see this and you inhale the vapors of this concentrated THC solution. So then they, they put them in these products and further distill them just like you can distill vodka, for example, and make it more pure. You can make distillates. So these products are named by how they look. So they've got crumble, they've got batter, they've got shatter, wax, sugar, live resin, crystal. Sandy, these are the new marijuana designer high THC products. So the cannabis industry doesn't want you to know that this is what's happening. They very quietly, there's no regulation. Sandy, this is, these are sold in the dispensary. This is not black market. This is not, you know, your illegal grows, people buying it off the street. This is you legally walk into a marijuana dispensary in Colorado, recreational or medical. So the kids all want to use this stuff to party because it's really hard to get alcohol here. And it's really hard to get tobacco here. Uh, but it's a rite of passage. When you turn 18, you, you, you save up your 500 bucks. You go get your pot shop doc to give you your card. And then guess what they do? They sell it. This is, this is the sad part because they can buy way more than they can use for their own personal use. And every high schooler knows who has the med cards in that high school. And in five minutes, you can get weed in our Colorado high schools. I know because Johnny was dealing marijuana, which after his death on his phone, we had a friend in cybersecurity who helped us hack in and we found the photos in Snapchat. That's how they do it in the for your eyes only section of him with his marijuana products that he had for sale from a local dispensary. So they call this the gray market. It's not the black market. It's an 18 year old having legally acquired a medical marijuana card for a made up illness that they go legally buy at a dispensary and illegally sell it to their friends. We now have one in 10 middle schoolers addicted to marijuana. So that is the sad truth. If you have not been into a dispensary since 2015, you are in for the shock of your life. When you go in, these products are not regulated. They are not capped. They, there's one manufacturer who claims that he's created a 100% pure THC vape. So you have to understand one joint, old-fashioned joint, it's like 20 milligrams of THC. A cart, if you buy a cartridge of THC 80% vape, it's eight 
hundred milligrams in that vape. If you buy a 90% uh, hash oil, a gra- buy, a mil- buy a gram of that, you've got 900 milligrams versus 20 in a joint. So it's you just cannot picture the astronomical high off the chart, out of your mind, high, fast, quick, very little product. And there's no smell. And they they just they put it in their pockets. They're very they look like jewels too. So they always tell their parents, What, mom? I'm just, I'm just vaping. And their parents are like, eh. I just want to give a one sentence side note. Parents, I've looked into that and vaping is exceedingly dangerous. It's a very big deal and looks like it might even be worse than smoking. Well, this is still vaping. It's just that they're vaping THC. Right. Well, so that's it. So they're getting all the damage of the vape and they're getting all the damage of the THC. And they're getting high. Exactly. And so parents can't, you can't tell by looking at a device if it's a jewel and they're vaping nicotine or if it's a jewel device, e-cigarette, THC, and they're vaping THC oil right under your nose. If you are not aware of the difference and you don't know what the, what it looks like, a THC vape and a Juul vape are almost identical. The little bottles are the same. If you don't know what's in it, they could very well be vaping THC, not nicotine, which vaping is horrible for your lungs, cardiovascular health, all of that. Also, and now they're getting the THC and in a cart at the same time. So they're destroying their brain in addition to all the physiological, other physiological damage. So this is the difference. This is today's marijuana. It is literally like apples and oranges. It is not the same thing. They even have a crystal form. So it's think of cocaine and crack. That's the difference right? Marijuana and crystal. You actually smoke marijuana crystal with a crack pipe. (laughs) I know it's, it's shocking. And I had no clue. And when Johnny died, I, I didn't even know about dabs until four years into his addiction. He had a perfect SAT score in math and 800 out of 800. He had a 4.0 GPA. He had a scholarship to Colorado State University and all these parents say to me, oh, well, that would never happen to my kid because my kid was a straight A student. Well, so was mine. Well, that would never happen to my kid because we go to church. So did we. We taught four-year-olds in Sunday school for many years. Johnny loved Jesus. Just because you're a religious family doesn't mean your child is not going to be addicted to marijuana. It's everywhere. And if we, as parents, have our head in the sand and just go, ah, it's harmless. I used it. I'm fine. It didn't do anything to me. You unwittingly are giving consent for your child to use. If you specifically don't say that it's not allowed, that you don't want your child to use it, they are far more likely to use it. It implies permission. And especially if you use it yourself, we know if a parent uses it, a child is 80% more likely to use it. And guess what? Parents, your brains are formed. 
<laughs> the, the kids' brains are not formed. And sadly, we know there's a five-fold increase in the incidence of psychosis because there are CB1 receptors in the amygdala, which normally regulate emotion. When you put a jacked up molecule of THC where anandamide is supposed to be, instead of getting normal regulation, you get fear, anxiety, paranoia. My son thought that the University of Northern Colorado was an FBI base. <laughs> he thought his dorm room was bugged. He thought people were listening to him through his iPhone. If you have never heard your child totally say absolutely crazy things and you, and you realize, wow, the, and this is called CIP, cannabis-induced psychosis. And it is a very common feature, extreme paranoia and delusional thinking in youth who use marijuana. And sadly, a sevenfold increase in the incidence of suicide. And that is data by the NIH, our own National Institutes of Health, U.S. Agency, National Institutes of Drug Abuse. They studied 280,000 18-year-olds in the United States and confirmed with certainty cannabis use causes increased suicidal thought attempt and sadly suicide. So when Johnny died from all this, I just, I just, I still can't believe this. And I did everything you would do as a parent. I mean, treatments, doctors, psychiatrists, he didn't exhibit any mental illness until about two years into having used marijuana. We have no mental illness in our family. We have no psychosis. Um, none of that. He'd been tested. We went and got the genomine. Like, what is happening? Everything was perfectly normal. Um, then he started a couple of years in exhibiting signs of depression, signs of anxiety. And when he went into the mental hospital, his diagnosis was THC abuse severe. That was his diagnosis. His THC levels were so off the chart it was causing all of these mental problems that he was having. And we have a scientific advisory board here at Johnny's Ambassadors. And one of our doctors, Dr. Karen Randall, is an emergency room physician in Pueblo, Colorado. And she says every day it breaks her heart because she's there and teens come in every day having acute psychotic episodes, having extreme intoxication, overdoses, poisonings, children eating these edibles sometimes. Kids thinking that they're shape, the nurse is a shapeshifter and totally hallucinating off of these extremely, extremely potent products because they have no idea that it's not the same marijuana. They think it's perfectly safe. Yeah. So we need, right, we need to wake up to that. And, and this is a number one. I just want to say, Laura, I know that you are so open in sharing your story and what's happened to you to help other people. And I just want to thank you for doing that because I, I know parents who've lost children to suicide. I know parents who've had children attempt, uh, know people, we have mental illness issues in our family, especially, oh, yeah. you know, COVID has created anxiety yes. and depression for everybody. And all of that just creates more opportunities. So what I would like to do for a, a minute then is go back. You, you, uh, you've shared with us what we need to know, I think, about marijuana and the products and the THC levels and help us understand 
the issue. So our next question at Mighty Parenting is always, okay, that's terrifying. (laughs) And what do I do about it? And you just said one thing that was really important. You said, you know, we need to talk to our kids about it and we need to let them know that it's a problem. And you, Mighty Parents, you know, your kids, it might be the time to suck it up and tell them that you smoked marijuana in high school or in college, or even that you did before. And maybe now you're quitting. But to have that conversation and go, I didn't know this. And now I do. And I love you. Yes. Get educated yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll have a link to your Donnie's Ambassadors work, Laura, because you have so much wonderful education there. So much. So much. Yes. We have toolkits and videos and webinars. And of course, my book is 300 pages. The dangerous truth about today's marijuana, because, you know, we can't tell Johnny's story here in a half hour, but this, it has 176 scientific notations because so many people think, oh, read for madness, you know, this is just not true and it can't be. And I just ask you to step back and to get rid of any, you know, prejudiced notions you have about marijuana. Uh, especially if you're using it yourself, or maybe you have arthritis or you use your gummy for pain. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about children whose brains are still forming and whose parents sometimes unwittingly thinking they're helping. Oh, they're so anxious. I'll, I'll let them use marijuana. Okay. I'm sorry. Anxiety is actually counterindicated for marijuana use. It will make it worse. Oh, my child's feeling depressed. I'll just let him use a little marijuana. I'm sorry. That's going to make them more depressed. It causes all kinds of mental illness. So yes, get, get educated yourself about what the harms are uh, for youth until you said 25, 28 for young boys, talk with them, admit, I had no idea about what marijuana is like today. I want you to be safe. Uh, What do you know about it? Uh, Do you know anybody who's used it? Have you used it? Right. And there are many parents who have had to initiate drug testing uh, with their children and have had to get them help. They have this conversation and they find out lo and behold, their child is already using marijuana and have to get them into rehab. It's very difficult to stop using marijuana. It's called cannabis withdrawal syndrome, CWS, and it's painful. If that child doesn't have help, usually it's a 30 day inpatient detox from marijuana because it causes extreme headaches, sleeplessness, agitation, throwing up pain. It's very much like if you were an alcoholic and you had to quit, it's, it's hard to do on your own. Um, so get involved as a parent, have, have those conversations. If you think there's use use start drug testing. There are very inexpensive drug testing kits that you can get on Amazon as a condition for privileges, but those boundaries have to be set because if they're not, it implies permission. I love your idea though, of going, you know, cause if you just listen to this podcast and you didn't know this, you're going to be like me the first time I heard it. And it's just like you know, eyes wide, like I have no what? idea what you're you know, talking about. Shock. Yeah. So the first thing I do yeah. So the first thing I do is I go to my kids. I'm like, I did not know this. Like, did you oh, know yeah. this? It, you know, it's not, 
Yeah. And, and then they share what they do know, and you can share more about what you, and it's a conversation, not a confrontation. Yeah. And many kids do. I mean, you'll, you'll be surprised if you say, do you know what dabs are? Of course. But uh, see, a lot of kids, they don't want their parents to be up on this. They don't want, they don't want them to know what 420 day is and what 710 day is. And they don't want them to understand shatter uh, and, and what dabs are uh, because the less they know, then the more easy it is for the kids to get away with vaping right under their noses. Um, so we do have to bring it up. And I've, I've sadly had many, many parents who have told me that would never happen to me. And, and, and it is currently happening. And sadly, many have also lost their children in Johnny's ambassadors. Right now we have 196 parents in the United States with children who are actively in psychosis, who are being treated right now for cannabis induced psychosis, 196 of us in a support group. And that's only people who know about Johnny's ambassadors and have come exactly. to you to be part of it, right? How many others are suffering alone? And that's part of mighty parenting is we don't want you to be alone. Yeah. So you, now we know, and what is it? No better, do better. Right. So we know now it's time to have conversations with our kids, possibly take action, possibly be doing drug testing, possibly be getting them, them some help. And like I said, we will put um, all your Johnny's ambassador and book and all those resources will be in the show notes, but could you just share with us, Laura, the website for Johnny's ambassadors for anyone who's listening that wants to check that out? Yes. It's just Johnny's ambassadors.org. So no apostrophe in Johnny's two N's. And two S's in ambassadors, johnnysambassadors.org. We have a lot of free services for parents. That's, that's our primary audience. I mean, our ultimate goal is to get teens to stop dabbing and, and not follow Johnny's path. That's why we're here. Um, but to do that, we have to really educate the parents because some of them don't know that like I did. And you know what? If I didn't know, I knew there would be thousands of other people who didn't know, because, you know, I wasn't a perfect parent, but I was a pretty good one. And this went over my radar. I just, I had no idea. And I don't want any other parent to say what I say and just said, I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known. I wish someone would have told me. So here I am telling you. <laughs> and I just want to add to that, Laura, I talk to parents, like I said, I, and I have friends, I have acquaintances. I know people who've lost people to suicide and well, lost children to, to suicide and essentially lost kids to addiction. And so often it's just, I wish I had known yeah. more. I wish mm -hmm. I had known earlier. And, and I'm talking about people who, like you said, you were a good parent that Depression, addiction, and suicide are not selective. If you look at the research, socioeconomic background, geography, none of those things can save you. So it does not discriminate. No, it doesn't discriminate. Good kids make really bad decisions, unfortunately. And they don't know either, and they don't have the brain to do it. So it's up to us. We're here. We're listening. We're going to do that. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. I know these conversations can be hard and sometimes scary, and I appreciate you so much being willing to step up and be that parent and face that fear. If, if you're struggling with that, feel free to reach out. Reach out to Laura Johnny's Ambassadors. Reach out inside the Facebook group to, to start a conversation with some other like-minded parents, whatever you need to do there. But remember that if you're here, if you're listening, you already are a mighty parent.
You got this, and I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.